Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Isaiah 54. So in, in the matter of about 48 hours, two incredibly prophetic people brought me this passage with the word from the Lord. And uh, I hope everybody experiences stuff like that. Because it's just, it's what we need to remind us. Anything like that, anything where the Lord just does something in a way that's like undeniable, like this would never have happened. And, um, and the, third, the, the second time it was brought to my attention, Jackie Santos was speaking to Ashley and I out here in the lobby, and I just started to weep because I, um, I've, I've felt this thing in my tummy about this school and about our church and about what God's doing here, about moving to the fivefold in our organization and adding the clinic this spring and watching, meeting with Frank and casting vision for this school and believing that God's in this 100%. And so as, um, as we've done this, there's, there's always that little bit, there's that flesh thing, the butterfly thing that's like, ah. <laughs> You don't know what you're doing, Zach. And then the Holy Spirit comes into agreement and says, you don't know what you're doing, Zach. And uh, I love it. And so when a prophet of the Lord comes and says, hey, God has this word for you, and it's out of Isaiah 54, and it's this word, it gets your attention. And so as I dug in, I felt like the Lord had something for all of us. You can hear this on a global level as the bride of Jesus. You can hear this on a church level as his providence, and you can hear this on a personal level. And I'm hoping you'll do all three. Isaiah chapter 54 starts with this. It says, shout for joy, O barren one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Let's just stop right there and talk about order for a second. If you highlight or underline in your Bible where it says, shout for joy, break forth, shout aloud, cry aloud with joy, I want you to notice that the barren woman has not given birth yet. I want you to notice that the pregnancy test is still testing negative. But the order of the Lord, not the request, the mandate of heaven is that the shouting aloud for joy is heard from the mouths of the one who is currently identified as barren. The one who has nothing, the one who is in lack. When that sound begins to come out of their spirit and out of their heart, it sets in motion a sequence of kingdom events that we cannot get away from. Our praise gets God's attention. And if you're writing things down, you've got to get this. Praise precedes promise. That's for you, Frank Lucas. He likes the alliteration. PPPs. Praise precedes promise. I love this. And it's such a good word for us saints. It's such a good word when there are times of inflation. <laughs> Anybody notice that stuff is just costing more? Okay, I thought it was just me, and I'm like starting to feel like embarrassed by it. And then it's like, no, come to find out everybody is feeling that too. Stuff just costs more. Um, that's a good reason to complain. 
You know what I'm saying? That's a, I mean, that's a fair reason. You know what I'm saying? Everything is going up, although the price of Christian school is going down, which is, I'm just, I'm, it's actually not. The cost of Christian school is still going up. The price of Christian school is going down. But we're getting there, so don't worry. It says, cry, I listen, if you're getting this, we've got to get this order. If you're waiting on promise, stop waiting and start praising. Start crying out. Saints, cry out from provision before the next generation cries out for it. You see, here's what happens. When we give birth, what does that baby do as soon as that baby comes out? It's the first thing it does. It cries. For what? Is it crying out in praise or is it crying out for like to be held because it's hungry? Because it wants to be warmed? Do you ever notice that doctors are just like slinging them around by their feet? They're like sticking fingers down their throat and whooping them on the back. So I'm like, take it easy. We worked hard for that baby. <laughs> Inflation's going up. Good Lord. But before a baby cries to be held, fed, and loved, saints, to be held, fed, and loved by a parent, the parents are crying from a place of already being held, fed, and loved by the father. I remember when we first found out that Ashley was pregnant, we would like, I, I cried. I'm a crier. I cried. She cried because she was like, oh, my God. And I was like, that's awesome. She was like, no, it's not. And, uh, and then that happened three more times. Um, and each one was a little different. But the, but the beauty is, is that when we get a glimpse of what God's doing, when we catch a glimpse of how well provided for we really are, our cry, our prayer, our song is not one of lament. It's not one of sorrow. It's one to say, how blessed, how blessed, how ridiculously and abundantly and exceedingly and overwhelmingly blessed am I. We have to cry out from that place of provision before the next generation cries out for it. I think that something's missing in, as we pass from generation to generation um, in this current culture, in this current age, and it's this. It's that because, because a parenting generation has forgotten how to sing that praise, has forgotten how to cry aloud, what it does is the generation rising up, they're crying out for provision, but they're not hearing anyone's song of blessing. They're not hearing the praise behind them. They're not hearing any counter offer to the need that's in their life. And what it does is it upsets the balance. It's okay for newborn babies to cry out for provision. It's not okay for 25-year-old men to do it. It's not okay for people with children of their own to still be operating from a place of lack to still be operating from a mindset of I need, I need, I need, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. If you're writing things down, write this down. A wandering generation shouts for what they need. A well-led generation shouts for what they have. What are we shouting about? What are we crying about? What brings tears to your eyes? One of my favorite things about this church is the transformation that takes place at this altar. And people come down sometimes, tears pouring out of there like wet we've got stains at the carpet you know that's why we're going back to the marble in the other room it's just 
which is slippery, and then it's a whole health issue, risk, liability. But people are crying. They come down crying from a place of lack, and they leave crying from a place of provision because the Lord begins to reveal, wait a minute, here's what you have. Here's what you have. My wife preached an incredible message at the women's retreat. Um, Yeah. And the prophet reminding the woman when she says, I have nothing, he, he says, what do you have? Well, I guess I have this. Okay, well, let's start with that. The next word is enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place of your tent. We live in a country now where when we do an addition, it's usually just because we want more room for ourselves, isn't it? When we, when we, uh, when we enlarge the place of our, our tent, when we enlarge the place of our dwelling, when we go out and get a Cube start Smart storage, I'm bricking on Cube Smart, and I ought not be. Um, I come from a long line of mini storage-like customers. <laughs> in fact, yeah, got, got that in my future too. But uh, the thing is, when we enlarge our space, it's usually because we're not willing to let go of things that we ought to let go of. Like pride, well, I need a bigger house, right? Well, we've got you know, to do this addition on because the neighbors all have three stories and we only have two and a half. Saints, when the word of God comes, when the prophet comes and says enlarge your tent, it's not so you have more room, it's so you can cover more people. Always, always. It's not so you have more room. It's not so you just have extra square footage to heat in the wintertime. Let me get an amen. No. It's so you can cover more people. This tent, this place of dwelling being made bigger reflects the heart of the Father who, who was always interested in getting the whole world under the covering of his glory. That's the business he's in says this, I'm going to follow these because I feel like the Lord has something specific for each one of them. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I want to walk through these for just a second because I love, I love how making your tent bigger comes with three specific steps. It's not just this enlarge your tent and then, okay, go figure it out. It's here's how you're going to enlarge your tent. Here's how you're going to cover more people. Number one, you're going to stretch out your curtains. Stretch out your curtains. And I love that that one's followed by spare not. Everybody say spare not. Spare not. That word for stretch comes from a Hebrew word that literally means to bow. You like that? It means to bow, to, to stretch it out, to bow. And, and one of the first places, if not the first place it's used, is when Isaac is blessing his sons, the 12, who would become the 12 tribes. I'm sorry, Jacob is blessing his sons who would become the 12 tribes. And as he gets to Issachar, he says, because you'll find that the land is pleasant, and a place that's good for rest, you will bow your shoulder and take on the burden that's necessary. Stretching out your curtains, saints, 
will require cost. It will require taking on a burden. It will require sparing not. And I believe that for many of us, when it comes to enlarging the place of our tent, when it comes to the, the, the command of the Lord to cover more people, where we get hung up, we don't make it past the first point because we have such a hard time bowing our shoulder to take on the burden. Wait a minute, stretching out, bowing something, submitting something, surrendering something? But when it's all gathered up, I can hold it in my hand. Yeah, but when you spread it out, there's no limit to what you can cover. Stretch out your curtains. The curtains of a tent were what protected its inhabitants from pests, from wind, from weather. And I believe that part of the enlarging process is because the Lord is interested in gathering more and more people underneath the protective covering of what he has. But guess who he's entrusted the stewardship of that covering to? You. Every one of us who's called on his name. And now when he says, how have I longed to gather you, O Israel, under my, under my wings like a hen does with her chicks, that covering now comes through those who are empowered, through those who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't come without a cost. And as we were up here talking about even tuition this morning, I wonder what, what, what is the right number? What is it worth to protect kids from the agendas that are being taught in public schools? What's the number on that? I want to crunch those numbers. What's the price to teach kids that they're fearfully and wonderfully made? What does it cost? What does it cost us either now when they're children or when they're older? What's the cost? Because you're going to pay it one way or the other right? We're going to pay a different cost, a lifelong cost on the back end if we don't do everything that we can to stretch out those tents and to cover, to protect, to surrender, to bow, to make it bow. Guess what? Our bank accounts have to bow to take on the burden sometimes, don't they? I'm hearing that from everybody who's paying for Christian schooling right now. I love it. Guess what? I have four kids and live in a four-bedroom house, and they don't get their own bedrooms. And we're hearing that from Messer right now. She just turned nine, and she's like, for my birthday, like, name thyself, foul spirit. For my birthday, I just want my own room. You don't even have to get me a present. I just want my own room. How about we paint the room that you have? It'll be like a brand-new room. Yeah, but my sister will still be in it. They share a room. We don't take as many vacations as we want to take. We don't add the additions or buy the investment property or whatever it is necessarily. We don't always do that. Why? Because there is a burden to bow whatever we have to ensure that our kids are protected as best as they can be from the elements of this world. We got to keep going, guys, because there's going to be some people looking for seats in a few minutes. Next up, strengthen your cords. If you're writing things down, write this down. 
When you cover more, you also catch more. When you cover more, you catch more. Dr. LeBeau, do you happen to have the, uh, any of those slides up? Could you throw one of those triangle slides up? We're going to do a little geometry. I figured since we're, we're opening the school. Do you have those? No. That's a thumbs down. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Um, so I, I wanted to um, show you guys this picture of a, a right triangle. And all the angles inside a right triangle have to equal 180 degrees, no matter what. But a right triangle, and if you're ever pitching a tent, you want at least one right angle, the one where it meets the ground, where the center beam meets the ground, because if that thing gets left or right and that angle starts to shrink or grow, your tent's going to fall down. So with a right triangle, that base angle has to be 90 degrees, which means that the other 90 of the 180 degrees that it's required to make a three-sided shape is split up between the other two angles. Now, when your covering is really short, go to the other one, Dave. Thank you. Okay. When your covering, which is H, we'll call this the hypotenuse, all right? When your covering is short, the angle at the top, for all intents and purposes, let's call it God's angle, is 30, and the angle at the bottom is 60. We'll call that our angle. Now, I'm looking at a room full of people who are working their own angles in here, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. When you stretch out your covering, you can go to the next slide. When you stretch out your covering, do you have that one other one with the multiple triangles on it, Dave? Money. Dave just got a raise. As the hypotenuse grows, as, as the place of your dwelling is enlarged, as your tent is stretched out, I want you to see what happens. God's angle begins to get larger. The angle God can work in your life, the angle, the accessibility that God has as he approaches you begins to expand while your angle shrinks. See, it's longer, getting longer, longer, longer. Saints, I want my angle to shrink. I'm tired of working an angle. I'm, I'm not good at figuring stuff out. I'm good at playing the piano. Jamal, stay out of this. And I feel like, I know this is crazy, and we don't usually put up slides with geometry on it and stuff, but I felt like the Lord started to show me that when that hypotenuse gets longer, the distance between us and God never changes, but the angles change. And, and, and while what it takes to make a triangle, everything is still present, the thing begins to take on this entirely different look. And now, if you go back to the first slide, this is how we used to look. This is how we used to look. And we felt so far from the Lord. Because there's an order, there's a command on our lives, enlarge the place of your dwelling, stretch out. And so our angle's really big, and we're running around, we have all the room in the world. But the Lord isn't given much leeway to work with. One more time, back to the blue triangle slide. But I think this is where he wants us, saints. Because when you cover more, you catch more. You see what the, what the hypotenuse looks like? What does that mean? That means everything that falls from heaven is going to stay on us longer. Go back to the first slide one more time. 
Has anybody been to like a ski lodge up in the, up in the mountains in the winter and you see them and there's a lot of those A-framed houses? You seen those? Why do they make them like that? So the snow falls off the side, right? Because the weight, you're not ready for this. The weight of what falls from heaven, they want to shed it quickly. That's what the old tent used to look like. The more we spread out, the more we enlarge the place of our dwelling, the more we stretch out our curtains and lengthen our cords. Go to that blue slide one more time, Dave. The more that what falls from heaven doesn't fall off us. We're going to hold it. When you cover more, you catch more. When you cover more, you catch more. You know what's right above our heads right now? Acres of solar panels on the roof of this mall that we're inheriting. They go around, the, the solar panel people go around and they are looking for certain houses that are positioned in certain ways. And they're going to try extra hard when they come to a place with a nice flat roof in full sun. Why? Because when you cover more, you catch more. When you're positioned under heaven appropriately, everything that falls is going to land on you and you're going to catch it. We got to keep going. Okay, here we go. I got this, right? What falls down falls off the old way, right? But as the Lord's angle increases and ours decreases, we hold up what heaven drops down. Good. Here we go. Cords lengthen. It brings everything under it closer to the covering. Look it. At that first slide. Go back to that first slide one more time, Dave. If you're standing down here, look how far you are from the covering. But as we stretch out, as we unfold, as we roll out what it is, the vision and the purpose and the destiny that God has in our hearts, and more and more people come under it. Go back to that last slide one more time. Watch what happens. Everybody under it, it suddenly feels closer to the covering, including you. That's what the Father wants until his glory covers the whole earth. Good. Strengthen the stakes. We can do this quickly. Strengthen the stakes. Weak stakes is a common problem among believers. We have to commit to the place we're pitched in, right? Some of y'all came to a fireside and you were handed a little succulent plant in a dish. Does everybody have, still have your succulent plant? Is it still alive? Do we need to have an altar call for anybody who did not take care of their... Some of y'all scratched out the word and wrote, die where you're planted. In Jesus' name. Saints, American Christians, we have weak stakes. If you've ever bought a tent from like Job Lot, you know it comes with stakes that look like toothpicks. You like, you, they like break while you're trying to hammer them in the ground. When I preached on this like 100 years ago and actually had some stakes, but I was doing a women's conference instead this weekend, so I just didn't get everything out. And some different size stakes. Here's the deal. Those big tents that we have at the big events that we do, the big tents with the things and all stuff, the stakes, you need like a tractor to pull those things out of the ground. They're, they're, it's like as far into the ground as it is up. That's what strengthened stakes look like. Because the easier it is to uproot ourselves, the easier it is for anything else to uproot us as well. Some of y'all are like, I'm just visiting this church. Like, you've been here six years. I'm just visiting because I just, 
I don't know if I trust you people. You're opening clinics and schools, and I just, I'm going to put a couple little pegs in over here just so I can leave in a hurry if I need to. What are you doing? If you can't put strength and stakes in the ground here, find a church you can. I'll say it again. Don't come back. Find a church where you can drive something into the ground that will support what God wants to do in your life. That's how we cover more. That's how we enlarge the place of our dwelling. Because when we stay weak, we stay weak. When we keep those pegs, so I can just walk by, you know, you trip over one and, and you pull the tent down with you and you keep walking, you're like, oh, shoot. No, when you stub your toe on one of those, like, circus tent stakes, you know it. You're like in the ER, you know what I'm saying? That's the kind of stakes we need, saints. The stakes that the, the wind and the mess and the battles and the, the elements and everything that falls from heaven, that's the crazy thing. The weight of his glory alone is designed to be supported by strength and stakes. Because his gifts are without repentance. So what happens is when we come into a place that's full of heavy glory and we've got weak stakes, we find ourselves folding under it. We can't operate like this. And that's the moves of God of the past. We cry, cry, cry out for God, 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 we need you, we want you, we love you, more of you, more of you, more of you. And the Lord's like, yes, I've been wanting to do this. <gasps> and then it's like, it's like that winter of, you know, 2005 when I first moved up here and three feet of snow fell in one night. And I thought I made the biggest mistake of my life because um, it was like Rhode Island went into a state of emergency. My stakes at the time could not handle that weight. The moves of God of the past... Heaven has always done its part to fall. Our part is to strengthen our stakes. Get ready for what's coming. And last but not least, can you just turn up this microphone? The sound in the lobby is getting pretty loud. And last but not least, I'm going to say this real quickly because I'm out of time. For you will spread out abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle desolate cities. Everybody on your feet all across this place. Your descendants. Let's start with your kids. I am believing the Lord right now that we will not wait any longer for a generation to take back what belongs to the Father. I believe that we are raising a generation right now that because they are hearing, Rob said it, Rob, two, three, three weeks ago, you said it starts with worship. You said what the Lord was waiting for, for the bones to come back to life and the armies to come back. The worship, the praise was, a, was, was key to this. And this church's heart of worship has set the stage for a generation to come out. And before they even have a chance to cry out for provision, they hear their parents crying out from provision. And they know that they come from a legacy that honors a God who provides and blesses and supports. And he's here protecting and covering. And so at the end of all this, when we're faithful to do our part with the cords and the stakes and the tents and the curtains, and it's not for us, 
and we finally get over ourselves and we finally start to spare not, a generation will come, is coming, and they will take back the cities. They will take back the regions. They will take back what tragically the church has lost and the glory of the earth. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you have already given us everything that's required to spread out our curtains, to lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes. And so, God, I pray that real-time application would just begin to come, Lord, that we would see more clearly than we've ever seen what it will require of us. God, I pray that you would quicken the hearts of people in this room to begin to write checks to send kids to yes, school. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would quicken the hearts of people in this room to put additions on their houses, not just uh, not just so they have a, a bigger uh, man cave in the basement, but so that they can adopt three kids this year. God, I see sibling groups coming into houses that are being made bigger for them. God, I pray that as this church stretches out its curtains, Lord, that we would spare not. God, that there would be no fear, that there would be no concern, but Lord, that our eyes would be attentive to the command, our ears, our heart would be tuned to the word of the prophet, God, and to the word coming right out of heaven to say, expand, enlarge the place of your dwelling. God, not so we have some big, beautiful thing, but so you can come do some big, beautiful thing. So, Father, we pray, God, that you would bless this clinic and bless this school and bless, Lord, the preschool that's coming and bless, uh, Lord, the community center that's coming and bless, God, the outreach that's coming and bless, God, all of it, Lord, the things that are already happening. Bless the adoption and the, uh, and the fostering, Lord, that's coming and continues to come. Father, may it be covered. We thank you for the glory that you've never stopped pouring out. Now may we rise to the occasion of never stop expanding. We love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. This is Pastor Zach and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you and have the best day of your life.